chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who faiths, to everyone who exercises faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Not not just to Jews, not just to Greeks, to the Jew first. They, they receive it first. They receive the, good, the gospel, the good news, the message of Christ first. Jesus was a Jew. The disciples were Jews. The gospel was proclaimed first amongst the Jews, but then also amongst Greeks, non-Jews. For in it... In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. For in it, in what? The gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness, dikaiosune, the righteousness of God, is revealed through faith for faith. Ek pistuos eis pistin. Through faith or faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. The NAS reads, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man, man is supplied, but the righteous shall live by faith. Other translations. Mine reads like that except for the last sentence, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. He who through faith is righteous shall live. He, uh, read, read that again. He through faith is righteous. He, through Whoa. faith, is righteous, shall live. He, through faith, is righteous, shall live. Okay. NIV? The only thing that's the same is the last sentence in NIV. Okay, read your NIV, verse 17. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, Wait a minute. Is by faith from first to last. That's fascinating. Is by faith from first to last. But, and finish it out. Just as it is written. And the righteous will live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. The word righteous here is dikaios. Dikaiosune, righteousness, dikaios, those who are righteous. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, justification, yes. So when there's... Righteousification, you could even think. <laughs> <laughs> That's another Dean Scottism. Yeah. So when they, um, when they translate it, then they can go either way with that word? Yes. What makes them pick one way versus the other? Just justified or righteous? Uh, the meaning of the term in its cultural context based on the evolutionary evolution of the words. Just has a different meaning to it. Uh, in our world today than it did in 1611. And uh, we have adjusted <laughs> our, uh, uh, interesting use of the word, we have adjusted the uses of our words over time. Righteousness uh, has taken many of the meanings of just in modern usage. But the word, me- it's the same meaning. Was it about the right, like they say in NIV, in the, is it a lot about the right relationship to God? Is that what they're What do you mean it says in the NIV? That's the good old NIV. Oh, you mean the commentary? Yes. Read the commentary. Righteousness, the state of being in the right in relation to God. The word means to to line up with, to be in, in oriented with God. I love that term justified margins. Justified margins on the left. And on the right, lined up with a rule at the top or the bottom. And that kind of describes the whole concept. You're lined up with God's will. And that's kind of the idea here to an extent. But it's not through anything that you've done. It's through faith. For in the gospel... The righteousness, or a righteousness, that's interesting. The is supplied in the NAS. It's not in the original. It's just righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Let me double check the pronouns. I mean, the, the uh, prepositions. Double check these pronouns. Ek pistuos eis pistin. From faith to, towards, in faith. Um, in our SV, through faith, for faith. Interpretively speaking, yes, but the meaning here is multivaried. Any other readings here in verse 17? What's the living say? This good news that tells us... I'm sorry. It's okay. This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven, makes us right in God's sight. When we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. There they applied trust to get that activeness. That's a mini sermon like that. That's a mini sermon. (laughs) The new living is slightly better. The, in the sense that some of the additives that are there aren't here. Um, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Slightly better. Mm-hmm. Where are they getting that, though? That's where my first to last came from. From faith. 
from faith through faith, from faith for faith, from faith to faith, from faith in faith. Well, that's interpretive. Yeah, that that's in my that's go ahead. Uh, commentary, but from faith to faith, and that's what I was going to ask. Should that be interpreted as from first to last, or from one person's faith to another person's faith, influencing them, or it has to start with Christ's faith or God's faith for us to get faith or to respond in faith? Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's from each instant of faith to each instance of faith. From the very first of them to the very last of them. From Christ's expressions of faith to your expressions of faith. And everything in between. And that I can't have faith on my own without... Without Christ's faith acting on me first. Exactly, which is the essence of grace in you, enabling your faith. So it's from Christ's faith to our faith, from Christ's every aspect and every instance of Christ's faith to every instance of your faith. From the beginning to the end, in that aspect, yes. The NIV is picking up on that idea. But the, wor the, the wording is literally simply from faith to faith. Or in, as the NRSV renders it, through faith for faith. It's through faith that we do these things for faith that we do these things. It is through faith that the righteousness of God is revealed and it is for faith that the righteousness of God is revealed. That seems to indicate a process. Yes. Not a one-time event. Uh, exactly. There is no single one-time event spoken of here uh, at all in the, in the idea that every act of faith is empowered by the act that went before and leads to the act that is to then come in our case. All right? And each one is empowered by Christ. If you really want to get picky, by Christ's penultimate act of faith, which is, of course, is going to the cross and dying for our sins. You could even extend it a little further and say his incarnation. Not counting equality with God as something to be grasped, but becoming one of us. Being born in human likeness and being found in human form, humbling himself. That's an act of faith. But we tend to look towards the cross as the source of the grace for which we are then have our faith, by which we then have our faith empowered. So that would be it. Although the incarnational faith, Christ coming to be with us, is another manifestation of the same thing. But yeah, in answer to your question, yes. <laughs> you know, I like the way it starts. The King James, I think, had for therein is the righteousness of God revealed, and I had a correction that it should be
his aid method of righteousness, just like he did could keep the law. That was a, a method, righteous, of, a method of righteousness. That's not to say there aren't other methods that God may have that are not revealed. We just don't know them. Right. And I would stretch that to, uh, to its ontological, fundamental level, in that righteousness is God's righteousness, period. Human definitions of that righteousness will vary. But God's righteousness is God's righteousness revealed in multiple ways. And to say the righteousness is to assume there is a one human established understanding of righteousness that is God's righteousness. I have a problem with that. I don't like the indefinite article either, though. A righteousness is a little weaker. I just prefer righteousness. And hence, for in it, God's righteousness is revealed through faith. For faith, or in it, God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. I prefer doing it that way. That's a slight modification on the Greek wording, because the Greek wording does not have the definite article, but it also lacks the indefinite indication. So it, it but it's not a possessive, but it is. It's just supplied by context, something that English doesn't do. I mean, it literally reads, for in it, righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. In righteousness the, of God, God's righteousness, same thing. It's genitive form, yes? My note says it's better translated righteousness from God. In the sense that it's uh, something that there we, therefore we receive. From God. And it comes from God, but it is God's righteousness. What, is there a word for the preposition or whatever, by? Is by not positive, by? I'm sorry, repeat By, question. by, because uh -huh. mine's pretty, you know, it's got by faith, the righteousness that is by faith. It's, I'm thinking you ought to love because that means faith is active. Mm -hmm. So you ain't going to be righteous yep. unless you got the faith. The one who is righteous will live by faith. And this is saying the righteousness is by faith. Is that not an original interpretation anywhere? Instead of from faith? Yeah, that's different, okay. You're talking about at the end of the... Yeah, you're talking about the end of the verse. No, actually, I'm talking... Let's see, God is... Ek pisteos, ek is by. But you see, that's that preposition in Greek, and ek pisteos is the same as it is earlier. That preposition in Greek is multivaried depending upon context. It can mean by, it can be... It can mean... From it, it can mean even through, depending on its context. Which, in the various readings we've had, all here. Have, they've all been yeah. Right. And it's and it's a context. <laughs> what I was trying to say yeah, earlier. Exactly. It's a multivariate contextual meaning. It's a, context is everything. All right. Remember that always, and especially when you're dealing with the long words are easy. They got lots of precision and meaning. It's the short words that give us trouble. That's true in all languages, and that's true in Greek. Ek is one of the shortest words you've got in the language, and it means from, but it can also mean by. Sometimes the meaning shifts based on its part of speech. Here it's the same in both locations, yet it's translated multiple different ways. I have this translation from the Greek word studies yes. that we talked about last week. Uh -huh. It adds something interesting. See if you can pick it up. All right. For I am not ashamed of the good news, for God's power it is 
resulting in salvation to everyone who believes, to a Jew first and to a Gentile. For God's righteousness in it is revealed on the principle of faith to faith, even as it stands written, and the one who is just on the principle of faith shall live. The principle of faith? Isn't it interesting that adding that qualified principle both in the quotation of the principle of making it a thing, an object? Um, A noun, for sure. I mean, a a non-actor noun. I don't think it it doesn't seem right. Well, they might be honoring it, but giving it a special faith. Principle of faith. Not saying the principle of faith. Hmm. I understand what they're meaning. I still prefer to leave that word out, although I understand what they're intending by it. That's fascinating. Principle. I thought it was odd too. Read, read, read that verse 17 again. For God's power it is, resulting in salvation to everyone who believes, to a Jew first and to a Gentile. For God's righteousness in it is revealed on the principle of faith to faith, even as it stands written, and the one who is just on the principle of faith shall live. On the principle, they're using, ek is being translated by on the principle, by the principle, <laughs> through the principle, in the principle. You know, it's interesting because it makes you think about faith as not being, as being something that you have to understand. The principle of faith, well, what is that principle? I yeah. want to That's yeah, okay. more of a concept, yeah. more yeah, of a true understanding of what, what that faith process was as opposed to what we now determine it to be of just belief or belief. When it's phrased that way, it makes me think, well, the principle of faith, well, what is faith? It almost makes it sound as though, though, they're saying that you have to have a right theological understanding to be righteous. Sounds like a Pharisee. (laughs) That was my point. Yeah. It almost sounds that way. The but, content of your faith must be correct. No, but the first principle they use is almost like the principle we think of. Because the first time yes. you use the principle is from the principle, the way it happens from oh. first to last. Yes, yes, do. yes. That principle, and then he mm-hmm. goes back to the, that principle faith again. Hmm. Hmm. I, why would he use that principle from first to last? I think it's yeah, it's using it both times, uh-huh. and that is so strange. <laughs> Well, he's basing it on that principle, isn't, he? isn't that what they're trying to The say? principle of, of faith, period. Active belief. Mm. They're coming from first to last. He's, he's giving yeah. you the adjective. From the beginning to the end, right. in its totality, in each and every instance thereof. Being active and living and changing. Yeah. That principle. That principle, yes. I, I don't disagree I with that. Talking. I would hope yeah, so. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. Use principle first. being misunderstood repeatedly by various groups. The Jewish Christians were misunderstanding it in one direction. Libertarians were misunderstanding it in a different direction. This is the principle. Back to your face, Pharisees. That's what he's doing. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who is fading. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. Uh, there were several other renditions of that that verse. What, um, what was it in the uh, in the in in yours, Lee, in the RSV? He through faith is righteous shall live. He through faith is righteous shall live. The the one who is righteous will live by faith. Goodspeed has a odd one. Read Goodspeed. The upright will have life because of his faith. The upright will have life because of his faith. That sounds like that everlasting life. Which comes first being upright <laughs> or his faith? King James? The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith, which is almost identical to the one who is righteous will live yeah, by faith. Yeah, it just changes righteous for just. And, yeah. and yet the RSV renders it, has a subtle difference therein. Any other interesting renderings of that phrase? Please. Uh, he who he shall gain life who is justified through faith. Uh, re repeat that. This is the NEV. He shall gain life who is justified through faith. Hmm. What life are we talking about? Well, you're translating "will live." I mean, zesitai, zoe. Life, and I suppose the interpretation is eternal life, mm -hmm. life with Christ, yeah. the life that matters. That's right, the real life. The other one, other translation of tears: through faith the righteous man shall find life. Through faith the righteous man yeah. shall find, find life. <laughs> well, couldn't it also be interpreted to be that the the just, the righteous? will live their earthly life mm -hmm. by faith, doing things that we do as response to, the, to receiving faith. Yes, that's good. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So it can apply to the earthly plane as well sure. as the eternal. I think, I think the earthly plane implies the, that, that that is the eternal then is what follows. Mm -hmm. and, the, and that, in fact, it, the eternal is what you have here. You are truly living when you are living by faith. When you are living with by faith, you are truly living eternally. Now, not waiting until you get over there. Um, the the book. All right. <laughs> I'm going to reserve a comment, but I just want to. This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven. Makes us right in God's sight. Sounds like yours. <laughs> when we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says it. The man who finds life will find it through trusting God. That's exactly the same. <laughs> that's identical. <laughs> oh, that's you know we... Uh, Ages ago, I was a curriculum study for an entire school district based on what the monks are presented on their doctor of physical science. And we got together with what the 
what the book that was supposed to be getting the kids to learn in inner city school, good luck if they kill themselves first. <laughs> or somebody else. Kill you think I'm other. kidding? Hey, I look at the one what happened when you like this alcohol. <laughs> so, you know, but so we got together and then supposedly the teachers and five of us from five separate schools and we got together and that's what this reminds me of, what you just read. Mm-hmm. Once, you know, there was two paragraphs, this is how you do the experiment and this is what you're, sure. result you're trying to when we got through with it, we had done this interpretation to make it so easy that you couldn't miss it that they wrote, treat alcohol fires casually. <laughs> and uh, that's what this reminds me of. There's so much read into mm-hmm. that. It's like a, people mm-hmm. got together and that's, decided what we That is hear. a paraphrastic translation. A yes. paraphrastic translation. The man who man. finds life will find it through trusting God. (laughs) The one who is righteous will live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That is probably, I know it's the absolute rock bottom core of the Protestant Reformation. The cry and the proclamation that you don't become righteous by doing your own works. You become righteous through faith. God's righteousness, whatever God's righteousness is, is imparted to you. You are considered righteous when you exercise and live in faith. And your life truly becomes life when you're doing that. Not when you're trying to be good. Not when you're trying to approximate a a list of behaviors that you're supposed to have. Like the Ten Commandments or some other. But when you're living, when you're trusting in, when you have belief in and are exercising that belief with confidence in Jesus. Yeah, but just show us by faith that Paul uses there in Romans probably are in Galatians 3. I don't have a, a Greek New Testament that has Galatians 3 in it here. I just have printouts. I'd have to look. Uh, but it probably is. I can let you know next time. Uh, I would guess it probably is consistent here. We mean ex pistuos. You're wanting to know if... No, just the, the, the just shall live by faith. Right. That part. Ha that's the de diaco. Ha De dikaios ek pistuos zoestai. The, uh, and uh, the righteous by faith shall live. Yeah, 3.11 in the New King Jimmy says, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. I think that's probably the same rendering. He's quoting here. Mm-hmm. And he's quoting it out of the Septuagint, and I would imagine that it's the same rendering. I will double-check it. I will double-check it. For the wrath... I'd like to get beyond one verse. For the wrath wrath of God 
Of course, we're getting into a really, really tough section here, and we won't be able to finish it. We won't be able to finish it tonight. Oh yeah. Not even come close. But I would like to at least get it started because it speaks to what we talked about last night. You're laughing. Well, we haven't even. I was just wondering where your section is because we've gone one verse. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The next section is from 18 through 23. (laughs) The NIV, they section it for you. The next paragraph is 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Hmm. Suppress the truth. Mine adds suppress the truth in unrighteousness. By, by their wickedness suppress the truth. Lest we miss the point. <laughs> right. So they actually add. They don't. For the have, wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, as opposed to for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Yeah, it changes wicked to unrighteous. See, I like wickedness. I do too. Wicked sounds more fun. Yeah. Adikain. Adikaya, adikain, unrighteousness or un, but mm, it literally it's the negated form of dikaisune. So it is, it it is, it, 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 wickedness is is an interpretation thereof, and and it fits the NAS reads similarly, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and read it all the way through 23, and then uh, and then we'll start unpacking it a bit more. I'm going to start it back at verse 18, and we'll just read it straight through. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So they are without excuse. (laughs) For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being, or birds, or four-footed animals, or reptiles. Can you say he did a change of pace there? Who's he he attacking this time? Well, not quite. Not quite. Uh, He's not actually shifting gears. What's following here, we'll, we'll come to it when we get to verse 27, which won't be tonight. Um, because he says in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. These people are ashamed or should be ashamed 
of their idolatry. Later on, he actually uses the same word derived from the same source for shame. I am not ashamed. They have, they, they do shameful things in the practice of their idolatry. So, in the structure of this paragraph from 18 through 23, what we have is following the statement about not being ashamed about the gospel, the righteous will live by faith. Then he contrasts that. Those who are not living by faith, but instead by their own understanding, by their own righteousness, if you will, their own good works, their own interpretation, their own attempt to do whatever it is they want to do, even though God has revealed God's self to them through the created universe, they have denied the deity and instead worship created things. Maybe he's not talking about sense of creation. Maybe he's talking about Judaism when the first, you know, when God came down to the Jews and so forth. Mm -hmm. But not all the way back in history past that point. Because he's acting as if you have instructions, and if you look past the Jews back, they guessed, they willed it, they just guessed like everybody else did until God, you know, came to the Jews. Uh, the statement is, is that God's revelation has been implicit throughout natural creation. Well, Throughout the order of creation. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. If, if you look at, at the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, just, just bluntly, you see that there is an order and structure in the universe that can be determined by someone who's standing looking around. And what you can learn about God from looking around is what he's saying here. In the order and structure of the universe, you can learn a whole lot about God, the Creator. And people who are aware of that, who are looking and understanding what is around them, may not know Yahweh or the Ten Commandments, but they know many of the fundamental principles of righteousness and of divine behavior. They know there's a Creator. They know that... That creator has a purpose for them. They know that the universe has order and structure and meaning and, in, and intent. And hence, hence Paul's interpretation of why the Greek philosophers were, had an understanding of the order of, of the universe that wasn't necessarily wrong. Because they looked around at the universe and they saw structure, order, and meaning. They did. One of the things that ancient religions always did was they, they determined that the universe is the result of battles and wars between two deities. In one, you have the great bull of heaven slaughtering people, getting chopped in half, and one half becomes the sky, and one half becomes the earth. The sun is a deity, the moon is a deity, the planets are deities. Israelite religion, Judaism, was one of the very first ancient Near Eastern religions, if not the first, to look at, every, and look at the universe as created. A thing, not a being. The sun is a thing, not a deity or a sub-deity. The moon is a thing, not a deity or a sub-deity, an angel. The stars are things, 
Now, they're sometimes likened to angels, but the lights in the sky are put there by God, created for a purpose and a reason. And Judaism was one of the very first religions to look at the universe not as the result of a heavenly war or conflict. And the ancient Near Eastern religions, they all did that, except for Judaism. It was not the result of war or conflict, but the result of God's creativity. That's what I'm saying. Before Judaism, it was just the best guess. Because you had lightning, yeah. floods, large animals eating, yeah. all this. And sure, the, you know, the crops came up and everything, rain and so forth, but you didn't have a clear picture of Well, there were people who did. Judaism was the, one of the first well-formed ones, but there was one that got close, which was the religion of Akhenaten in Egypt, one of the first monotheistic religions in the universe, in the world, where he said there is only one God, Ra, who's not necessarily the sun, unlike the other Pharaonic religions, which identified him with the sun. But he is the creator, the single creator of the universe. The universe is made up of things, not deities or beings. The forces are part of natural forces that the Creator made. And he got awfully close to being right. And of course got pilloried for it and eventually thrown out. The philosophers of Greece, in their philosophical looking at the universe, were saying many of the same kinds of things. Many of the Far Eastern religions started developing an understanding of the universe as a created thing, not as made up of lots of deities. I think what Lee, uh, what Lee is saying, which is obvious and we all know it, is before all that, I mean, this being written after the fact, because yeah. we couldn't write that. Right. <laughs> being written way after the fact, is that, hey, all the creation was there. The Adam and Eve thing, somebody had to be right. put it somewhere. And this is, if you read it, uh, if you read it just really bluntly the way it's sitting here, it sounds like. He's saying you guys have known this forever. Yeah. Right? That's what you're saying. And, yeah. And, and, and that is what he's saying. Maybe so. But since everything is after the fact anyway, it looks like Abraham had a hell of a time with it. You know? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but the point is, is that no one has an excuse for saying, well, we didn't know. Yeah, now, for sure. Well, but when no, he says from, from the beginning, ready. because anybody, any cognitive person that looks around and sees all this stuff knows he didn't do it. And his next door neighbor didn't do it. So something had to put it there. There had to be a higher power. There had to be a creator. See, I think that's what Adam thought. And then Eve said, you know, this apple tree and the snow. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's not go there. <laughs> uh, oh, don't blame it on Eve. Adam was a wimp. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Look at verse 20. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So they are without excuse. He's not talking here about, well, you should have known about the Ten Commandments. He's saying you should have known that there is a deity. And because they can look around and see the universe, they should know that there is a deity. And that other religions actually came to that conclusion independently, probably, uh, although imperfectly, uh, is an indicator of that. Does deity mean supreme being? Yes. 
Well, it's it's, it's rooted in the Latin word deus, which is actually a, uh, a, a Sanskrit word, <laughs> dei, uh, which means God or gods or anything to do with, with the divine, which is another word that comes from that. Was it in the Ten Commandments where it says, thou shalt have no other gods, D-O-D-S, uh -huh. yep. before, before me? Which reflects the fact that in earlier Jewish and Hebraic understandings of of the universe, it wasn't necessarily totally understood that Yahweh was the only God, simply mm -hmm. that Yahweh was their only God. Hence, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before That's acknowledging me. there are other gods. It's acknowledging that there are other things that are proclaimed to be gods, which is how I the see. Jews then interpreted it. Later on, once they became full-fledged monotheistic, there are two forms of monotheism. One which says there is no other god, which is absolute monotheism. And then there is simple uh, uh, practice mono practical monotheism, in which you have only one God. By the time of Jesus, actually by the time of Isaiah, there was only one God, period. And so that made the Jews different from a whole lot of people in the ancient world who had only one God but accepted that there might be other gods. That you could have a God and you could have a God and you could have a God or you could have nine gods for all you want, but I only have one God. And this is that God, and in the ancient world, well, that was okay. Well, you know, it's like when they, when the Jews were taken into captivity, mm -hmm. and whichever one of the kings it was said, "Well, you can go ahead and worship your God. Don't worry about ours." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what got them in trouble. Yeah, yeah, and it continually got them in trouble. Got them in trouble with the Romans later on. Got the Christians in trouble because they weren't technically Jews anymore, and. And the Jews didn't want them to be viewed as, as Jews, and therefore they fell out from the exemption that, that the Jews had to not worship the emperor, and it got the Christians in trouble. The idea being that Judaism was had developed in its precision of understanding as to there be only, being only one God, period. And the Ten Commandments comes from a period of time prior to the solidification of that understanding, which is a little bit weird for us to think about. <laughs> Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made, so they are without excuse. For though they knew God, they may not have known God's name, they may not have known God's laws, or the character of God's righteousness. Nevertheless, they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. Now, what did that look like? He says that in the next verse. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being, or birds, or four-footed animals, or reptiles. In other words, idolatry. The worship not of a deity, but of things. You could expand that a little bit. In the Egyptians' case, the sun. Mm -hmm. The worship of, of Amun-Ra. 
or the other deities of their religion, the other gods of their religion, you know, the winged gods and the, and the animal gods, uh, the, the gods of the Romans and the Greeks are examples here. Artemis the Great, Artemis the Great. This is a letter to the Romans, and he's church in, It's a letter to the church in, in Rome. Rome, and he's insulting the heck out of the Romans. Right there, what you just said. Uh, out of out of pagan Romans, yeah, insulting the heck out of pagan Romans. Like yes. The pagan Romans that had the armor and the swords and everything. <laughs> no, were in power. Who are going to arrest him and carry him to the emperor, who's also <laughs> doing this? Who claims himself to be? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So he is speaking here about idolatry. He's focusing in on idolatry now. And he's fo it follows upon what he said about not being ashamed about uh, by the gospel, of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who is faithing, to the Jew first and to the Greek, even to non-Jews this is true. For in for in it, God's righteousness is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. Not by doing works of the law, as the Jews would say. Not by bowing down to Artemis or lighting offerings to the emperor. But through faith in Jesus Christ. Now there are a whole lot of people, he says, who, who aren't part of the Jewish faith. They have no excuse in this regard. Uh, they themselves can look around and see that there is a God who created the universe. And they should at least know that. And as he's going to say here a little bit later on, in fact, God judges by the light that they have received. Well, it, it, when you read that all in, in context, it seems as though he flows very well from, and you can picture God's people being the subject of what he's talking about, mm -hmm. in that God did reveal himself to the, his people. They were the ones who had that blessing of being the oracle people. Right. And then they took that, and, and you can see oh, the history of God's people summarized basically in this, in these few verses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, you know, he keeps referring to they, so I guess it's who you're defining as they, but seems as though it's very clear it's, it's those people who had that knowledge of God that was revealed by God to them back in verse 19 back in, yeah in verse 19 mm -hmm. claiming to be wise they became fools so often uh, when we think we've got it all figured out <laughs> we demonstrate how truly foolish we are mm -hmm. we don't really know our conception is limited to our little zone. And we can't get much beyond it. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory, the doxa, of the immortal God for the images, icon, of resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Therefore... Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the degrading of their bodies among themselves, 
because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They worship the creature, not the creator. They worship that which is created, not the one who did the creating. They worshiped gods of human creation and fashioning. They worshiped humans. They worshiped the things that God created. The sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the, trees, the animals, the earth, the wind, the fire. All these elements of creation that God either fashioned or created in principle. They worship instead of the one who created it. Well, they were just, I think it's harsh. I mean, they were just trying to give it an image, a symbol, an image. And they, nobody knows what God looks like. And here's God saying, you guys are going to burn because you shouldn't have done that. And they're trying to bring well, it down to their level of understanding. I'm trying to control God. <laughs> I'm going to try to put God. in my little box. Yes, exactly. They want to understand him. I want to so understand God. The boss right there, okay? There's yeah, a there you go. There. Oh, we do it all the time. Yeah, exactly. Think about the images of God that most people have. And you ask a child, what is God? God is this, this great old man up in the sky sitting on the throne with a great long white beard. And long white hair. Long white hair. White robe. White shiny robe. Shiny white robe. And, and sandals. sandals. Might have a halo up there. Yeah. A bunch of angels around him. And a nice sweet look on his face. What? <laughs> like grandma. How come Paul, I can't believe he's getting that upset. If you leave out the glorifying the wrong person, the wrong person. <laughs> you leave out the glorifying. I mean, you he know, is pointing. What he's doing. Here. What he's doing here is he's explaining why the penalty for idolatry, the penalty for worshiping that other than God, is worshiping the self, elevating the self and the self-understanding, and the universe that God has created rather than God, God's self. And there's a penalty for that. That has a result. Goes on long way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in 26 translations, especially. Is it the rad word? Especially. But it really does. I mean, if you read this, you see him almost talking about the, the Jews, God's people, more specifically than any other group, because they were the ones who God revealed themselves mm -hmm. to. And finally, he got sped up and he gave them over to themselves. And now look what happened once again. He's just going on and on and on. What happened? Yeah. Of how they got to the point that they're in now. Yeah. It worries me when so he said God gave up on them because that means these people are going to start hitting on me. It's <laughs> <laughs> next to see that he gives up on them and lets them lose on me. For this reason, yes. God gave them up to degrading passions. Their women exchanged natural intercourse for unnatural. And in the same way also the men, giving up natural intercourse with women, were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless acts, shameless, underline, highlight, same word as I am not ashamed. That's the connection, that's how you tie it together. Committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the due penalty for their error. Now... This one is a really tough because the translation is screwy. Well, we made it to the penalties. <laughs> That's a good question. No, this is, this is easy to read. This is an interlinear. I knew 
It's an interlinear, and then I have the GNV on the next page. Therefore gave up them God to passions of dishonor, for even the females of them changed the nature, natural use to, to the against nature. Likewise, and also the male... <laughs> The males, leaving the natural use of the female, the natural use of the female. Let's hear from Paul. Can I throw something at him? <laughs> the natural use of the female burned in the desire of them to one another, males in males or towards males. That, that's a hard one. That preposition there has been translated so many different ways. The shamefulness bringing about and the what is deserved, which is necessary of the error of them in themselves receiving back. Wow, that cleared that up. <laughs> uh, that cleared that up Clear as mud. Clear as mud, okay. Here's the G and V. Therefore, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For even their women were changed from their natural use to an unnatural one. Stop for just a moment. Remember, Paul was contextual. You have to understand Paul contextually. Paul lived in a world and in a setting and in a culture where women were property. Things that were owned were not necessarily intellectual, personal, um, independent people. Although Paul broke from that on many occasions, nevertheless, he uh, was still governed by that basic understanding, and you see it right here. And that's confusing. Women have it's natural it. uses. Because he, in places he speaks from God, yeah. and in places he speaks from Paul, but he can switch to Thank you. He did it again. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. First it was Trinity, now. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, well, he did two in a month. Paul, in articulating that, this should be a red flag to us. Paul is a creature of his culture. And he is fantastic in regards to women in some places. And there are other places like women, when you're preaching and praying in public, you better keep your heads covered. Most of my feminist friends get all upset about, we ought to keep our heads covered. Yeah, but listen to what he's saying. When you're preaching and praying in public. in public. All right, yeah, he was governed by that stupid idea they had to keep your heads covered because he was afraid of angels wanting to have sex with them, which is part of the Jewish cultural setting. Well, here is another example. Women are property. They have a use. Even... For even their women were changed from their natural use to an unnatural one. And likewise, and, and as for what that actually means, I don't want to know. It could have multiple meanings. It, could have, it, it's, it tends to be a sexual meaning, though. And likewise also the men left the natural use of women and burned in their desire toward one another. Men toward men, bringing about the shameful state and receiving 
back in themselves what they necessarily deserved because of their error. What was their error, I asked down here. See verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Think about what Paul's understanding of pagan religions were, was. He knew them through contact in the Greco-Roman culture of the ancient world, which were the predominant religions of his day, in which you had sex as a very important part of their religious practice. Uh, in the process of ensuring a uh, uh, good crops, you would go to the temple of a fertility goddess and make your offering. And your offering wouldn't just be money or a lamb, it would be sex with the priestess or priest to ensure that the god was um, appeased and you got what you needed, i.e. good crops. And that was true in many of the ancient religions of the world at that time, especially many of the mystery religions engaged in sexual practice with the priests and the priestesses. Um, in the ancient, uh, in the imperial cult, for the most part, you went and you, you paid your taxes and you burnt an offering to the emperor to symbolize your allegiance to the empire. But you also, there were also things that you could do in the temple with the temple priests that and priestesses which involve sexual practices. Well, and they also engaged in human sacrifice. Human sacrifice, infant sacrifice. women and children. Mm -hmm. Infant mm -hmm. sacrifice. That sounds a lot better now, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds a lot better. Yeah. So, uh, um, these practices were part and parcel of paganism as Paul understood it. Hence, he connected idolatry with these sexual practices. That I, was his understanding. I didn't hear you mention sexual practices of men that would get a favor from God. So where did Paul you go, get that idea? You go, to the, you go to the temple to have sex with the priest or priestess. Oh, okay, that's and that didn't really matter. And the men were the only ones that could go into the temple. In, yeah. And if it was a, it, it depended upon the, the gender of the deity, and that all had an effect too. So he saw that too. He knew, he knew it. I'm not sure he didn't do it, but he knew about it. And that was the context within which he was aware of what we think of as homosexual practice. And he is saying that that practice is the result of idolatry. That's the error. Error is worshiping other gods. And the shameful state is these sexual practices, giving up of a proper sexual relationship or engaging in a different sexual relationship than the natural one. And receiving back in themselves what they necessarily deserved because of that error, which is the desire for that sex. So how did the gays handle this portion? <laughs> well, 
The basic answer is a very simple one, and it's, and it's actually the correct one. Paul's understanding is parochial and limited to his understanding of the ancient world and ancient pagan practice. And is it true that people are gay because they worship other gods? No. Now, in the pagan world, they had gay practices. They engaged in same-sex practices in the context of pagan religion. But that's not the same thing as homosexuality as we know it. Right. They also engaged in recreational pharmaceuticals. And yeah, they did. Drugs, mm -hmm. drug use. So the interpretation of this is twofold. Paul is parochial. His understanding of homosexual practice is limited to the pagan practices. Therefore, he believes that idolatry is the result, is the, is the catalyst that generates homosexual practice and lust, homosexual lust, and that is its own penalty, i.e. God punishes idolaters by making them lust after people of the same gender. But we know that people don't lust after people of the same gender because they worship Zeus. <laughs> Idolatry isn't the source of what we know of as uh, homosexuality today. Therefore, what Paul says here doesn't apply in general to homosexuality today. It, it can't. Unless they, the, the people playing government out there, right? mm -hmm. unless they, the other side, says... Well, the idolatry is obviously you've got the natural order of God backwards. And that's your idolatry is being homosexual. I can see what that But that's, use that, that, use becomes, that, that becomes a, a circular yeah, argument, yeah. Yes, which is. comes first then. Is it the idolatry that generates the homosexual practice as a punishment of God? Or is it the homosexual practice that generates the idolatry? No. Paul is very clear. It's the idolatry that generates the homosexual practice, which brings the punishment of desire. His understanding is parochial. Just like his understanding of why women should preach and pray with their heads covered is parochial. Let's finish. I know we're way over time, but let's finish the chapter because we're there. And then we'll come back to this next week. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to things that should not be done. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, in like <laughs> insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, Rebellious towards parents, uh oh, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. Which things? These things in these preceding three verses. Yet they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. See, that sounds like. Politicians, doesn't it? The two conventions. <laughs> I'm serious. You run that thing down. The sequence is is it hits the whole yeah. panoply. Gamut, yeah. A whole panoply here.
You have been listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2008 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.